You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we continue our discussion of writer, director, filmmaker Bong Joon-ho. And in this episode, we are discussing his films, Snowpiercer and Okja. Joining me for this discussion once again is the consumer of many super pigs, Mr. Ben Teed. Yes. How did you know? <laughs> well, I knew that you weren't a vegetarian, as you had said just before we started recording. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're, you're not getting that steak every night, but you know. No, I'm not. But sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes. So before we get into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, it is Oscar time. As we record, <laughs> what is it that you are having? How did you know? <laughs> to celebrate the Oscars tonight. For the Oscars, I can only imagine having a seasonal limited release series for Blake's Hard Cider Returns. All right. I like uh, it. This time it is Barry Cranders, Cranberry Hard Cider with a hint of ginger. Oh, okay. And how do you like that? Uh, it, you know what? When I drink it, it has, and I'm not kidding, I did not plan this. But there is a savory taste. Must mm. be the ginger, I guess. It's got to be. Mark. Yeah, it's got to be. There, it's a savory taste. I'm not saying it's meat-like, but it kind of. <laughs> it's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it as much as the other ones, but I, it's still sippable and enjoyable. Well, so I guess it's appropriate for tonight. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, in lieu of watching the Oscars, I am having something that is sort of Oscar. Uh, approved i would think as well as uh front of the train approved i'm having a little prosecco a little uh, champagne (laughs) and it is a uh, rosé prosecco and the reason that i'm having it is because it makes my wife's allergies go crazy and so she said i cannot drink that anymore uh you're drinking it so oh you're sweet so that's what i'm having (laughs) well that that's how it goes for most things around the house it's I don't want this. Eric gets it. <laughs> I don't want this anymore. You can eat it. That kind of thing. So, so that's what that's like. So those are uh, the films that we're going to be discussing. That is what we are drinking. We're going to start in 2013 with the film Snowpiercer. This chaos. A thousand people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. This is the world. The train saved humanity. The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance. I said sit down. Passengers, eternal order flows from the sacred engine. We must occupy our preordained position. I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. Know your place. Keep your place. Those bastards in the front think they own us. We'll be different when we get there. What do you say? We take the engine and we control the world. When is the time? Soon. Disorder. We're going to the front. We'll 
the gate. We know you well, Mr. Curtis. We've been watching you. Precisely 74% of you shall die. Everybody back! I'm not a leader. You're ready, our leader. And the IMDb plot synopsis for this one goes like this. Set in 2031, the entire world is frozen except for those aboard the Snowpiercer. For 17 years, the world's survivors are on a train hurtling around the globe, creating their own economy and class system. Led by Curtis, a group of lower class citizens living in squalor at the back of the train are determined to get to the front of the train and spread the wealth around. Each section of the train holds new surprises for the group who have to battle their way through. A revolution is underway. All right, Mr. Teed. So tell me about you and your long storied history with the, with the film Stoker, sir. My long 30 second history. Um, I, I have no ex- prior experience with Snowpiercer, I knew it was a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it was a TV series. I think even well, before, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a it's new it's a new TV series. Is it a new TV series? Uh-huh. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, and then yeah, I this is this is the only as we're doing this, um, as we're doing this series of of podcasts uh, for Bong Joon Ho. This is the only one now that I haven't seen up to this point, and so I finally with this film. I've now seen everything. I've seen it all, except for what he's making currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I was I was very much looking forward to this. I kind of knew that it was uh like uh maybe a little bit more blockbustery. Mm-hmm. Uh not blockbustery, that kind of makes it sound maybe a little bit more action heavy slash uh it's not like the like the like when you think of like the pedigree of of Bong Joon Ho and like surrounding, you know, the Oscars of 2019 or 2020, uh, just loading up uh, uh, Bong and, and company with, um, with Oscars and, and presti- you know prestigious awards and stuff like that. Um, a certain pedigree comes with that that I think is lacking in Snowpiercer. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't think I saw trailers or anything like that and and necessarily thought that it was something i needed to go see right away it just always seemed like oh cool like a like a a neat take on a sci-fi idea that you know i'll I'll catch someday and then never did i mean it was on streaming like i felt like it was on netflix and everything for years Mm -hmm. and still just never never put it on for no particular reason other than just there's there's a ton of things i could always watch yeah, and just I, I, an overwhelming amount of things to watch, yeah. right? Yeah, so I'm glad we've. I, this is one of the reasons why doing this podcast, as always, it's always a good reason to sit down and finally get through some of these. And I'm glad we did because I ended up liking it. Good, that's good. Um, so this came out in 2013, as I mentioned. This was, if memory serves, um, either 2014 or 2015, we did a series of 
um, recordings that were called movies we missed. And there were movies that we had wanted to see in the theater and we just never got around to. Uh, and this was one of those movies uh, to where I'd seen the trailer and I was like, oh, that, lo- that looks interesting. Like it's it's uh, the thing that really stuck out to me was that it was produced uh, by Park Chan-wook. And I was like, yeah. oh, the guy that the guy that did Old Boy is uh, producing this. Like, I don't know who Bong Joon-ho is at the time. I was like, but that would be interesting because if he's involved in some way, there's going to be something uh, that's a little bit off center that I would be uh, interested in. And I had never gotten around to it, obviously, in the theater and then watched it for the recording. Uh, my wife was on that recording. It was wow. my wife and Rachel and Rachel's sister. And uh, the four of us chatted about it along with some other films. And uh, I, I enjoyed it then. Um, it gave my wife the, she, I believe, came up with the term for Tilda Swinton as uh, Tilda Twitch after watching this film <laughs> because of how she's just never still uh, with her face, <laughs> especially at this. Why in this should song. she be? Yeah. And, and so I'd seen it before. I liked it then. I watched it again. And I did, I liked it. Um, maybe it was the the mood that I was in or just, you know, a few years separated from the newness of it or knowing what I was going to get, but it didn't really hit me emotionally uh, very much this time. And I think part of that is because, you know, I knew what I was in for. And once you kind of know, uh, spoilers, obviously, but once you know that Ed Harris is at the front of the train and, and, uh, Chris Evans has his famous um, I know what babies taste like or babies taste best. Once he has that line and you hear that once you're kind of like, Oh, okay, well the movie, I'm not going to be surprised by that anymore. And that was kind of the, the main takeaway was just how dark the movie is willing to go. And then once you're familiar with it, you're kind of like, okay, well, I mean, it works well, but uh, some of this stuff, I feel like, maybe is better fleshed out in a series. And I'm, I'm somewhat interested in the series, although it's, it's a TNT thing. And I know that it's been renewed for uh, more than one season, but I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know if I'm, if I'm all the way in the bag for this or not, but, uh, but this was a, a good experience. Uh, I think Tilda Swinton is still the standout for me. Uh, I don't particularly love Jamie Bell's character who plays Edgar, who you find out is um, pivotal to Chris Evans's character when you, when he reveals his past and how he used to be before he became this um, pseudo leader of the, of the lower class. But I did think it was interesting that it is a Bong Joon-ho film and it's very obviously class related and dealing with wealth and dealing with who decides one group is better than the other. And you find out that the whole thing is a corrupt mess and, so I do think that it makes sense that he would be interested in this, but I think that you're definitely correct that it doesn't really fit. It's like the, it's like the we'll do one for you kind of a movie in Bong Joon-ho's mm, filmography. I can see that. Um, this was also uh, partially produced by the Weinsteins. And <sighs> what is that had, about? And he had several uh, clashes with them, supposedly. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What do you know about that? Do you uh, know much? I know that... I know that well it's according to the trivia right but i know that okay. he said that um that uh harvey weinstein kept wanting him to cut out the the fish scene in particular the uh fish where scene. it's the first battle sequence with the guys with the hoods over their heads and the just their mouths ex- oh, exposed. yeah and the fish is when 
they're it looks like they're maybe poisoning their weapons with like the blood of this fish gotcha and they're yes. getting it and weinstein kept saying no we have to cut that out and bong jun ho said it was his favorite uh shot of the movie and he said that he told harvey weinstein that he wanted to keep the shot for personal reasons as a tribute to his deceased father who was a fisherman and so weinstein said that oh it, well since it's family related i'll let you keep it in there and then in an interview, Bong later said it was a fucking lie. My father was not a fisherman. No, we all know that. I think I, <laughs> we I all know like that now. Yeah. Yeah. We all know that now. That's really funny, <laughs> especially since uh, you have to imagine. Um, Bong had to have known something about the wine yeah. scenes about Harvey. Um, I certainly would have known, would not have known that back in 2013. Right. He's like notorious for wanting to uh, cut american oh, ver- american versions of stuff uh the one i could think of was the uh, uh princess mononoke mm-hmm. in which in which um uh miyazaki sends uh an edit of the film to the weinstein office with a katana and a note reading no cuts um <laughs> here's a here's a sword that you know as a as like a as like a gift or whatever mm-hmm. and um yeah i don't know like like i, I understand i understand I understand why uh, a company like uh, the Weinstein company would want to do that. Why an American movie audience would want to do that. Mm -hmm. I just don't agree with it ever, ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. I think tampering with the vision of a director, even if it's not part of my culture, well, then it's my job to learn about that culture. Then I feel Mm -hmm. like if it's, if there's something, if there is a, uh, south southern asian uh um reason for why something's happening and i go my american brain can't understand that well then i guess i don't know i'm with bong read a fucking subtitle like yeah really well it's really not that hard what's interesting about it is so it's a it's a it's a south it's a south korean film that is partially or that's mostly in english based on a french graphic novel Right. So there's Correct. there's a lot of like lenses that it's already kind of being interpreted through. So that would be the only way as like independent from the Weinstein mess of it all. But that's that would be the only thing to where I'd see like um, we need to strip this to what the story is telling me. And I don't know if I get what the story is telling me from the scene with the fish. You know, did what you I mean? ever, yeah. Did you ever. OK, so you mentioned the the French uh source material mm-hmm. um i'm holding it right here i actually got it from the library because i was interested oh. in like, kind of peering it peering at it before yeah and um everything you would think is a bong joon ho ism like a thing that he would have added to it mm-hmm. is exactly what you would what you would think it would be the stuff that you would think he had added the, the style of this comic book it looks like um did you ever read um oh god what was the guy's name I, I used to have a ton of them they're from fanographics um it was like uh um onward towards our noble deaths mm-hmm. from, you know and and mm-hmm. like uh it, like a sniper uh it, it was like that guy the jordy bernay or, or jock jock oh god I, i'm gonna do a terrible job of remembering but it was that type of stuff like onward towards our noble deaths was one of them or no 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 god that's that's not right either that's a that's a completely different uh japanese uh uh war uh manga mm-hmm. um there was like 
they're like it's a very french style is what i'm trying to come up with and so a lot of the characters on this train look very european as they probably would and stuff like that there's part of me that is reminded of like even um uh v for vendetta like mm-hmm, the style mm-hmm. that david that david lloyd draws into um his type of stuff um where whereas like even just the design of the movie the look of it is so like wonderfully bong jun ho like mm-hmm. like even the look of um our favorite song kang ho uh playing minsu uh on the on the train he's he's the one that's going to get them through each each uh door you know john hurt having uh almost none of his limbs uh did you think his did you think his name was uh his character name was interesting yeah <laughs> i thought that, I thought you, that was you know, you beat me to that uh that, i think that was a little interesting uh so for people gilliam yeah for people who haven't seen the movie his uh john hurt's character's name is gilliam uh and it is based on terry gilliam it says in the trivia like it is not a nice. coincidence or anything it that's is awesome it's it good is. to know it's good to know that i could see that and hear him like that's so that makes me love like bong jun ho even more the fact that he presents that in a film and i go huh okay and i just like in my head like that must mean this and of course it you're just pretty much confirming that yes it, mm-hmm. it, it did mean that and i'm like oh good yeah because you know obviously when if people listened when we did uh terry gilliam stuff he had brazil and 12 monkeys and zero theorem of all this sort of end of the world type uh type stuff oh it is such a terry gilliam premise yeah it really is i love it oh i didn't mm-hmm. yeah um i'm trying to think though like like in general like how i felt about the film i liked most of it i liked i liked like nearly all of it mm-hmm. um and so like coming away from from that experience that night i I remember just thinking like oh good like oh it it holds up like whether Mm -hmm. or not it was in 20 in fact it might even hold up better these days since we are kind of a a culture that has been um uh reflecting on class a lot more these days Mm -hmm. uh reflecting on um uh, uh prejudices and and even um and even privilege Mm-hmm. certainly uh mm-hmm. now more than ever uh, i know i have uh as as i've gotten older in 2013 i don't know if i would have been thinking about any of this and so mm-hmm. maybe i would not have thought uh twice about certain aspects of this film just because of the simple indoctrination culturally that i would have up oh, sorry that i would have grown up with Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah i think it's interesting because you look at nine years ago now uh when this came out the world was obviously a, a lot different uh is a lot more innocent right yeah. um comparatively and uh i think that i think when i watch it now i'm like yeah you're you were correct this is how it is and you're just kind of like uh putting a lot of things that we just assumed the future would be like and then now that we've lived through some of the shitty things that uh, aren't quite to this level yet uh but when we see oh they tried fixing global warming and it they did the opposite of global warming and you know they uh they went too hard on making it cold and now everything's frozen and you know they're we're going to talk about the different classes and we're going to not only have them um metaphorically held down but we're going to keep them in in uh separate train cars and we're going to start uh 
making sure that the population doesn't get out of control and we're going to use a lot of propaganda. And it's, it's just like a lot of sort of dystopian stuff that either we've read or seen is summed up in this film really well. And I think that what I liked about it going into it uh, the first time was it was me watching what I thought was a big budget movie um, really before the humongous rise of all of the Marvel stuff and thinking like, oh, okay, here's a, a, uh, a South Korean director getting a shot at a huge budget. And then you look at it and it's, and it's in quotations only uh, $39 million to make. And you have a lot of big names in this movie for it to be 39 million. And then the only thing I can think of then at times is I'm like, oh, okay. That's why the train at times doesn't look the best. <laughs> when they, show, they show like some, some, some like under the rail type stuff where the, the wheels are coming off. I'm like, Ooh, that looks a little like a uh, first go uh, looking to me, or it looks a little bit like the rougher parts of the host or something like that to where it's like a little enough, bit, yeah, a, a little bit, not quite how it should look in quotes again and once again we've we've gone from is nine years too mm-hmm. we've got we've we've also traveled a bit in terms of how how good our how good our uh, visual effects have oh, gone too. even absolutely. in just the last nine years i mean well, they were good back then too but even still. compared to our next film oh my gosh yeah oh my so. gosh yes <laughs> goodness yeah <laughs> yeah even... so uh so a couple of things that i had written down here um i really liked the uh the horror section which is what i thought the section that was in the dark uh was like um and i was like god damn i would love to see bong joon ho just doing a straight up horror movie uh, because you have oh still god. the like the haves and have nots that you could still do with with horror and um just to have that more of a more of that sort of genre bent on it because he does love sci-fi uh, so if it was a little more horror, I was, I would really love to see that. Uh, I did like how they have the, the shining, the a song from the shining that comes in that I didn't remember. Uh, it's when they kill the French dude that looks sort of like Jack Nicholson and sort of like, um, I can't ever think of who he is, but he's Locke's dad and lost speaking of lost that we were talking about before uh, recording. Uh, but it's the combination of those two people, but he's like the, the, french assassin businessman person that kind of uh survives close till the end um but when chris evans's character is fighting him in kind of the amber train car there's uh there's the the shining song that comes on uh, a few it's times the shining, the shining song i guess it would have been um it's like the ballroom song yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. okay so anyway uh but i put that i liked uh uh, I put the quotes that I liked that we already talked about that. I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. Um, I think, yeah, that, I mean, that's really actually pretty much it because I put bong having to work with Harvey Weinstein. Oh, I thought that Chris uh, Evans is, um, I, I don't know. This may be controversial. And we talked, to, <laughs> we talked a little bit about this earlier too. This may be controversial to people that love um, Chris Evans as Captain America, but I think that, for me, his best work is in this and in Sunshine. Um, I think that when he's doing dystopia and he's doing everything is lost, that's where I can actually see him being a character instead of being like, oh, I'm the human torch and I'm supposed to be funny and everything's a joke. And, oh, I'm supposed to be upright and 
yeah bland, good point upright and bland i'm captain america and, you know and what that that's actually a really good point because up until this point chris before captain america before any of this i remember chris evans before before looking like hollywood buff uh-huh. i remember him as this skinny little guy in fantastic four but i also remember him in this like little uh comic book picture called the losers oh the losers yeah where he plays like the like the he's the, the, hack, nerd. the hacker nerd guy <laughs> yeah um which is really funny to think about now but that's the type of like like almost like spider-man like how he's got quips and stuff like that and he's very funny and yeah that was able just to his say... persona right because he was in uh what was the spoof comedy that he was in um oh, god what was that but he was in that fairly early oh not not another teen movie in right. oh yes correct correct yeah and so he was like he was like american pie uh, and obviously everyone was over the top in that movie because it's uh, that type of a movie, but he was just sort of, I'm the attractive guy and look at me be this sort of plain, like, I don't know, just a bland kind of persona for sure. And, yeah. and that's what I thought of. That's what I thought about him. And then, yeah, seeing him in some other things like the losers, uh, even when I saw him in Scott Pilgrim, I was like, "What, Chris Evans?" Oh man, like, no, that shit. shit. See, by that point, what was that? What would that have been? See, that was right after the losers. That was that came out yeah. at 2010. Um, oh man, before, see, I think that's Captain why I, I probably loved him in that because I just couldn't see it, mm. and then and then this movie, he just kind of in Scott Pilgrim, he just overplays it, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of why I loved it. So here, so here, he's absolutely full on like what he is now. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because like this was the sort of glimpse for me, this and, and uh, Sunshine were the glimpses and Sunshine was in 07, which was a long time ago for his uh, for his career. Yeah. Um, and from that to this, to all of the Marvel stuff and then, um, you know, doing what he's doing now with with the uh, knives out and with all the like the gray man that's coming out somewhat Buzz soon. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. And, and uh, we're yeah, absolutely going to see that movie, by the way. Oh, I would imagine. We I are, would absolutely Buzz imagine. Buzz Lightyear is a mainstay in our house and he has seen the trailer a lot and he'll ask me to play. He said he calls it, uh, uh, well, he calls it Lightyear, but he says, play Starman, Dada, play Starman. Cause they play <laughs> David Bowie in the, in the uh-huh. trailer. So uh-huh. it's like, well, all right, bud, we're going to watch this. Yeah. So, so that was, that was just like, um, he's just a completely different person than what I assumed him to be based on his early work and based on what he's best known by, I guess, uh, because he's just a lot more of a rich actor than I think that I gave him credit for. Um, because he, he was almost like, it, I, it's the same sort of thing with like Ryan Reynolds to where it's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be attractive and also, um, funny, and, funny. Yeah. yeah. Funny. And also a good actor. Like I think Ryan Reynolds, is like what i think the worst of what chris evans does is uh to where like i don't take ryan reynolds serious about anything and that's what i thought chris evans was going to be like is a long way to to get around it and i think that he's much better than that yeah um probably my favorite thing to date with him is knives out i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. man i would say so you know i didn't i didn't see knives out until maybe like um maybe three four months ago because it was one of those sort of like when I was prepping to watch Drive to where I was like up my own ass about how good it was going to be. And I like couldn't 
couldn't shake like my own expectations about it into and so i was like i gotta kind of put this on the back burner because i'm gonna expect it to be like this groundbreaking new age of cinema or something and it's not gonna be that uh and i just need to sort of watch it for what it is and so then when i finally did get around to watching it like i liked it quite a bit um and and but i i i, I sort of don't get like the outrage about like how wonderful it is like i think that it's really good but i'm kind of like yeah it's a murder mystery like they used to do uh when they had all these huge celebrities and they would just do like a locked room mystery and it's really well done but i'm like i don't get why people are like some people like absolutely lost their minds about it and i'm like maybe maybe it goes back to that joker and um scorsese thing that we talked about (laughs) Well, it, so yeah, it's like, it's yeah, almost, it's, I've seen I it. guess I guess maybe like the general public, when I think about it, just kind of forgets mm. how they just forget that. Oh yeah, there's also decades upon decades of this type of material that it must it must feel fresh now. Must coming yeah. coming coming out at a time when all we get are the tent poles and all of the all of the uh, well tent poles will come to a theatrical release you know mm-hmm. art will get our avengers and our star wars and our disney and whatever but then when it comes to medium-sized films they'll probably come to streaming mm-hmm. of some sort like it kind of makes sense that okja by 2017 sorry we'll talk about it here in a second um was was coming straight to netflix mm-hmm. like it's it's very fascinating to see i bet snowpiercer would have been uh, straight to streaming one and it, and honestly i think that's kind of where it survived right mm-hmm. that's kind of where it thrived probably a ton of people uh because also 2013 uh 2014 is when that when that is taken off like streaming oh is absolutely the thing and so i bet that it got new life not just in home release but but also streaming definitely streaming well yeah and you look at it and you're like oh shit it's it's got it's got fucking captain america in this thing with that says bong joon ho and it's got John Hurt and you see Ed Harris and Tilda Swinton. Like it's got a evocative cover. Um, it, it does do the sort of uh, the sin of Photoshopping everyone before uh, Marvel sort of made that a mainstay <laughs> to where it's just like a yeah. bunch of heads around one figure. And I'm like, oh shit, am I so used to seeing this now? It makes me sick. But yeah, it is a thing where off the heels of all of the MCU stuff, you turn on Netflix and you're like, oh, look, it's Captain America this looks kind of cool. He's got a crazy ax. Let me look at the trailer of this, you know, so I can see where, where his popularity maybe uh, did help the streaming sort of success or whatever the success was that brought this to TNT and made uh Bong Joon-ho a lot of money. That's for sure. For selling off those rights, baby. I guess maybe my thing with the film, I could probably get into a little bit about maybe my, my, part that i'm i'm kind of like okay about because because really i don't have anything to say about really any of the performances Mm -hmm. i think i think most if not all are amazing Mm -hmm. some of the things i'm I'm just kind of like huh you kind of and the thing is you can't think too hard about this one (laughs) because (laughs) it kind of doesn't make any sense when you think about it at least i don't think so Mm -hmm. um is like motivations for certain people, like why they would do certain things. I really like even the even the actual like uh, crazy reveal. I mean, past past the one with I know what babies taste like, mm-hmm. like like the like that one. That oh, one was an actual. With, you're talking about with John Hurt. Uh, yeah, it's well. Let me let me get to that here in a second. Okay. Um, talking about the reveal about 
who um who his friend uh is it uh it's uh edgar uh his friend edgar who he is to to oh. our, our main oh, character yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that that makes sense Kurt, you know and and who and who gilliam is in 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 relationship to all three of those people mm-hmm. you know and why it's important to go get octavia spencer's kid and and even the the other guy's uh child and stuff like that like like the reason for going on this quest that was good enough for me hearing mm-hmm. hearing the actual motivations at that point in the story was a great reveal well written by the time they get to ed harris who plays uh wilford Mm-hmm. The, it plays like the Disney type of a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he is. I I don't realize. I, I mean, I guess he's got no reason to, but also I don't see why um, Curtis has to listen to anything Wilford says. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like like if if Gilliam is in constant contact with Wilford throughout this entire 17 years or whatever they've been going and doing this, I guess I don't understand why, if it's so easy to believe that, why is it so easy for me to not buy it, Mm. to not, to not go, Oh, this is all just a, this is all like, this could all just be made up. I don't think any of that matters. I should, Mm -hmm. I should probably Mm -hmm. preface because that to me, isn't necessarily the, isn't the actual reveal. I don't really care that that John Hurt uh, was looking for Curtis to be the new head of the train or whatever and take Wilford's place. I don't really care about that. I don't think that's that's even like a great. But the movie tended to pretend that it was. Mm-hmm. I thought the actual uh, reveal, uh, climactic reveal to me, was that a child is required to run the train. Uh, yeah, they're run like, out to, of parts, right? They run out to, of parts. Yeah, to me, that was that was like the core that is the like the core message the core thing that i can get out of coming away from it and and like it's it's always something that simple right like i always feel like that you know that's good enough for me like Mm -hmm. to the point where i'm like okay i'm fine with this whatever whatever ed harris is talking about whether or not i i should believe him or not i don't think any of that i don't think any of that matters none of that matters (laughs) Right, right right i also by the by the time that they're talking about i know what babies taste like by that point they're talking about blowing open the side door there mm-hmm. and seeing if it's even that cold out mm-hmm. I, I i go i i literally like slap my knee i thought that they were gonna address this like is it even okay enough to go outside yet you know so yeah because because you see uh kong ho song's character who he gets the like he gets a different coat and i'm like bro that is not going to like yeah. <laughs> like it's just a coat like what You're are you gonna doing want for food a little stuff? <laughs> like are you going to take a bunch of those protein things are you taking a bunch of like your little uh squares that you inhale your little like dice looking things that you uh use to blow up the side of the the train it's like are you taking that with you too like that was a that was a thing where i was like okay this this feels short sighted because this is like the entire human race that's on this train it's the premise it's like and, it is part of the premise you, yeah and you think and you think that it's melting and that you might be able to survive out there but you're not real sure but you're you're willing to blow everything up and this is the big societal message right is that he's willing to blow everything up because he thinks that there's something better outside of the conditions that they're in 
And that's the risk that they're willing to take at the end. I see that. I think what you're talking about and what, and, and us saying that is like, Oh, can we survive beyond this train? Can we, mm-hmm. beyond, can we survive beyond it? I think that is a red herring for the reveal. I just talked about. Oh, I okay. think, I think you're supposed to think, Oh, you guys are thinking just in the train as, as if that's a, 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 a machination of our world. And do we even need to live within the boundaries of our world? Maybe we're not thinking hard enough. Maybe there's something outside our train that we could rely on. I think that someone like Song and and Curtis's uh, 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 summation there is is just flat out wrong. Like, because once you get out there and you see a polar bear, great. You see a polar bear, great. It's survivable. Mm-hmm. But are you going to be able to survive without? A lot of stuff out there like who the hell knows what you're gonna see or go oh, great you can be outside of a train great we can be outside of our planet but we can't survive out into space i mean for a little while sure but like you're gonna run out of you're gonna run out of everything yeah you so don't, so <laughs> you that, don't it's a very short sighted <laughs> thing so you almost still need the train you still need the planet uh-huh. and what is it and and so that's why i think the actual reveal to me is the child to, to me, the actual shocking, horrific thing is that in order to get the world to go around, we need children's blood. And that's like mm-hmm. horrifying. Yeah, we need to sacrifice and, but, the children. But also yeah. makes sense because how many countries are running that way? How many countries mm-hmm. are, are, are how, much, how much has society leaned on children in order to make this happen? And that's when it hit me. I'm like, this is the actual, this is the actual thing. None of that, none of all, all the reveals and all the twists and turns, none of that matters. This was the one that mattered. Mm. And so the fact, like, I kind of like how it ends, which is a very, like, to me, I guess, I guess I could, now that we've mentioned Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. I guess you could say that's a very Terry Gilliam ending, but also at the same time, I kind of like that it's very, um, well, I guess we're going to go out and survive the cold and not to, not to make comparisons to the thing or something like that. But like once, once at the end of the thing, the monsters quote like defeated or the thing is defeated or is it mm-hmm. like what the hell do we do now i guess we just survive the cold like it's a very john carpenter-esque ending where it's like i guess we'll all be badasses now and, and brave the tundra together or something or something right because it just seemed like it seems like a better idea for all of us to just sit in this in this train for a while and keep warm and yeah try to make a better train as opposed to yeah. destroying everything a lot yeah. of other smaller things too to me didn't make much sense like a, a car completely uh uh where they're dancing and having a nightclub and <laughs> and i i get the idea of having something like that but where does everyone sleep where does everyone go where did the children sleep where do they go what happened once the bullets started flying where did they go Mm-hmm. um did they also get killed is what i was wondering and then also like what were these motivations of these people like i get why tilda swinton needed to keep going because she had a thing to run she had this she had an upkeep to happen she had to make sure that um that wilford was something that was going but like the the big bruisers next to her what were their motivations for just going after and killing like is it so that they can maintain a thing? Cause they seem special. They seem. And so once I started thinking about that, I was like, none of this makes sense. I don't know why I'm thinking too hard about this. It's just enjoy the stupid train movie where it's moving and whatever. Yeah. It's not, I think, about, it's not about that. Right. I think some of those is sort of like, um, like whether it's uh, Alison pill as the teacher, or you're talking about Franco, the elder and Franco, the younger, the two Frenchmen that are her bodyguards. Yeah. Um, 
I think some of that goes back to like the the sort of uh, I was just following orders uh, with Nazis and that sort of thing. Like I'm not I'm not prejudiced. I was just doing what I was told. I'm just following my orders. Right. I was just trying to survive and train the only way that I know how um, that sort of thing. So so we talked about how ultimately it's about the train and having a better society and having a better train and and perhaps if Curtis was in charge instead of Wilford, maybe he could make a better train, right? It's that sort of struck me as like, maybe if we have a new president, we, everything would be okay. Yeah. And everyone will get their shit together. That makes sense. Right. <laughs> but instead yeah. you're like, no, things will probably be shitty. They'll just be shitty in a different way. Um, and then instead you have, you have uh Yona and Minsu's character who's, they they blow up the train, they derail the train and kill probably almost everyone, right? <laughs> because it's going down like the cliffs and such. And so it's like most of the people are dead, even though they do show some survivors. And it's like, yes, they do have an opportunity to survive. But it, to, to me, that was like, this is the end of, this is the end. Like this is the end of humanity. Yeah. And maybe that was a, uh, a bleak take on me on my part this time but i was like nope they're not fucking surviving there's no way there's they I don't have think so, like yeah. the skills to 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 like have a a home to like craft a home there's no way that they could like build a shelter out of this trash that they have so no. i don't know i thought that, that was the end to me i didn't think it was as hopeful i thought it was like fake hopeful basically so Anyway, so that's Snowpiercer. Anything else that you wanted to say about <laughs> about that? No, uh, no. I, I know. I know. I just spent like a good little bit there, just kind of mm-hmm. going, "This didn't make sense," and this didn't make sense. It's still enjoyable. Like it was a great streaming yeah. experience. Like, like I bet that was fun to see in the theater and and all that. But yeah, I'm just kind of glad that I finally seen every single bit of 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 Bong. Yeah. So that's our. Uh, so that's Snowpiercer. Our next film is from four years later. Uh, it is the one of the early uh, Netflix original films, and it is Okja. We needed a miracle. And then we got one. This beautiful and special little creature will be a revolution in the livestock industry. Our super pigs will not only be big and beautiful, they will also leave a minimal footprint on the environment consume less feed and produce less excretions and most importantly they need to taste fucking good Miranda rescued Okja and bring her back to you. Ten years in planning, on the cusp of a product that will feed millions. And what happens? That farmer girl is going to destroy us. You should know the situation is not good. Each night before you go to bed, my baby. 
such a shame you have to tell all those little white lies. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one, the only. This is dedicated to the one I love. This is dedicated to the one I love. This is dedicated to And the IMDb plot synopsis for this one, I picked the only one that is short. Most of these are way too long, but I picked a short one. And the short one goes like this. A young girl risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a fascinating beast named Okja. All right. So, Mr. T, this is the uh, this is. I'll say it this way. Snowpiercer was the latest film that I had seen from director Bong Joon-ho. So I have not seen, I had not seen Okja before this. Uh, I have not seen Parasite, which is our uh, most famous of probably all of his work. Um, The Oscar winner that we'll take on next time. Uh, So I haven't, I hadn't seen this. I did know all about this when it came out though. I, I knew that it was this like, Miyazaki meets Dumbo kind of a looking creature. And I was like, okay, this is really going to try to get me in the feels. And I purposefully stayed away from it until this, uh, until this recording. So that being said, what did you think when you first saw Okja? I saw it and um, I think I gave it four stars saying that like, oh man, what a great film. Oh my gosh. It's it's uh, subject matter. I never would have thought about before. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> and now it's just kind of become part of the background, part of my, part of my um, vocabulary in my household and how I think about food and about consumption and about how much I use and my footprint and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, I don't think I, necessarily saw its effects on me until this viewing ah okay um like i remember what happens in the film but i don't think i remembered what it like anal i don't remember analyzing it as much as i thought i did i think Hmm. the first half of the film could possibly be no, I no, I I can I can stand by this. I I think the first half of the film is some of Bong Joon Ho's best mm. that he's ever done, uh, especially the opening to this film, um, with with uh, with uh, Miha uh, hanging out with Okja. Out oh, you mean the- when we're watching uh, Totoro? Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> my there's neighbor part, Totoro. <laughs> there's, there's part of that where they're just they're just living out in the woods and could just watch that forever. And she's I sleeping look. on her stomach. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get back to the uh, thing I noticed here in a little bit uh, about um, that opening shot. But Mm -hmm. um, I think I don't, I didn't find the latter half of the film um, as good this time, not because of what happens, not because of the film, but because of a certain performance that I found almost excruciatingly grating that I didn't the first time which is very strange because usually it's the opposite, right? Well, there's a couple of contenders. Yes, right? You, <laughs> mine's the obvious one. Mine is the obvious oh, one. Oh, you're talking about my, old Johnny Wilcox then. Yes, I'm, I'm talking about Dr. Johnny Wilcox, Jake Gyllenhaal, this time watching it like 
every single thing that that he's saying i found so grating and not at all funny whereas the first time i definitely did i definitely mm. thought this was really good this is of course back in 2017 uh just before the me too movement and finding out anything having to do with jake gyllenhaal mm-hmm. or anything having to do with him or any sort of alleged things about him that's fine great but now in this world where I get to see him kind of be a little bit different and not that he's necessarily doing anything in this film that contributes to that. I'm just saying I'm, I have like a much shorter fuse, I guess. Mm. I've also seen a couple more Hall performances that have been a little more subpar for me mm. uh, to the point where I'm like, is he? Cause I like Zodiac. I like Nightcrawler. Uh-huh. Of course, Donnie Darko is like, one of the finest it's like, like a, it's like a completely different it's a completely kid, different though yeah yeah oh it's he's a completely different but like ever since then i think i'd seen like velvet buzzsaw oh i really liked him in um in uh uh dano's wildlife mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he's he's brilliant in that yeah 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 but man like i don't know like i'm he's like jake jake is teetering for me in some ways um because well, especially in this film because of how less enjoyable he is thankfully he's not in it a lot like as much um but once again i i still i gave it four and a half this time Mm -hmm. this time i gave it four and a half just thinking man like like i really i i feel like this time i truly see it i see this film Mm -hmm. and i get it yeah jake gyllenhaal is an interesting person sticking on him for a minute is um you know, like I, I have complicated feelings about Donnie Darko and it just depends on where in my life I, I am when I'm watching it as to what I think of it. And which uh, version? What, yeah, and which version and and how much you hear Richard Kelly talking about his own movie and how much I think it's it's I think it's like the Kevin Smith of it. Uh, to oh, where, wow. Yeah. In that in that director's commentary where it's Kevin Smith talking to Richard Kelly it was kind of like at that time in 2001 in, you know, I didn't see it in the theater, but in like 2003 ish, I'm still in college. Like I'm almost out of college and I'm like figuring out who I am. And I've said several times on the podcast before, like I was very like, I'm into films, right? Like cinema mm-hmm. and all this oh, yeah. sort of stuff. And and this was like the approachable cinema and like, look at all these things that it's trying to say. And I was very sort of, absorbed by what that film was attempting to do and i think that the older i get the less time i have for a lot of that to where it's like okay how much is actually here and how much am i having to interpret uh based on all of the commentaries and all of the, the like the side knowledge that i have to have about this movie but then i see jake gyllenhaal in something like um like brokeback mountain or Jarhead even, or Zodiac, like you already mentioned, or, you know, even Brothers, which I thought was a decent remake uh, of the, uh, the of the Suzanne Beer uh, film with, uh, with Natalie Portman and Tobey oh, Maguire. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was just sort of like, this was like um, Jake Gyllenhaal evolving into an actor and doing source code and doing enemy and doing... Uh, Nightcrawler that you mentioned and it was like okay this is like a an interesting person and then he starts doing things that I didn't know if I understood <laughs> where it's like Velvet Buds, Buzzsawed where I'm like what is this like this isn't this isn't the Jake Gyllenhaal that I sort of know and I hadn't and I had missed this film up until now and 
it's in that same sort of realm to me to where it's like Jake Gyllenhaal wanting to be a character actor instead of wanting to be a leading man. And I'm like, this just, this doesn't suit you. Right. Like this just doesn't feel correct uh, in whatever he's trying to do here, because this feels like a dude that's not funny, trying to be really wacky. And I'm like, God, just you're taking well, yourself really seriously with how funny you think. What's you kind are. of fascinating is watching him right next to another person who can pull that off, who can pull off being darkly funny. Uh, and I'm and I'm referring to Tilda Swinton. Where do you stay? I meant to ask you about that with the first film, but where do you stand on Tilda Swinton? I I don't know that I can get enough of Tilda Swinton. Um, yeah, I think that the whole like uh, the the controversy about the doctor strange stuff like she is hired to do a job that's not her choice as to how she's cast oh like people get pissed that she's cast as that well yeah because you know it's an it's it's an old it's like an old asian man is the character in the books oh and and they decide to pick and they decide to to quote unquote whitewasher okay but it's like well she is an employee doing a job. So it's not necessarily her that is at fault. It's the production that's saying, here's what we want out of the character. That's what's at fault. Right. Like that's what I, that's that's what I feel about. Like, I don't know as much about when you're doing like ghost in the shell and when you're doing all of the, the Scarlett Johansson stuff, because I don't know if she was in charge of the production enough to say, no, I'm doing this. Or if they went to her saying, yeah, we want this character to be white. Here's why. And then right. she's just filling the role. So I don't know. But I, I really like Tilda Swinton. I think that yeah. she is incredibly diverse in the things that she can do. And, you know, like we mentioned with her being so twitchy in Snowpiercer, where, where that was a um, a male character that was that was written and she was offered the, a role in the film and she's like well there's nothing really for me to do in here and then they decided to rewrite uh that that character who originally was supposed to be uh john c Riley in that character <laughs> is Wait, what, bong, what? Bong, yeah bong joon ho said that tilda swinton's character in snowpiercer was originally john c Riley in, in his mind uh Whoa. and so he obviously changed <laughs> changed that a bit Man, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> All right, so, you better get to the back of the train. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> be a shoe. Be, be a shoe. A shoe. You got, you're a beer shoe. <laughs> that would have been the wrong tone completely. Yes. That would have been like him doing like Dewey Cox. Oh, or that something. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so um, so I like her quite a bit. And I do, <laughs> I wow. do not, the only times that I do not like her. When do you think are the only times where I don't? necessarily uh, love does work. it have anything to do with grand budapest the french dispatch <laughs> moonrise kingdom isle of dogs uh where am i at? where else am I as at? i look uh, as i'm talking to you at the side of my uh monitor here is a dvd that i just borrowed from the library of the french dispatch <laughs> you're growing you're growing <laughs> i'm trying you're growing <laughs> you're growing you're, so yeah i don't i don't love more... her and wes anderson stuff uh, that's not it's just not uh it's just not for me for whatever reason i get it i under you told you explained it to me i disagree but yeah. at least i understood it yeah and at least i can hear you and get it mm-hmm. um but i still love you You're still yeah. a brother so yeah. it's okay that's just I how still, it, I, we still have to eat together at the same table so <laughs> every every morning for breakfast that's right i still that's have to put just... up with that face here so mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly right so i think that um 
most of the time I enjoy her quite a bit. And I think that she's really good in this. I like that uh, she gets to play the twins uh, um, and she gets to sort of, uh, you know, she gets to, she gets to sort of embody every sort of a CEO presentation that you've never wanted to hear and gets to sort of like, she, she does subtle things where I don't know if it's written into the script or if it's just a choice that she made as to where she doesn't deliver the speeches perfectly. Like she kind of like pauses or will reshuffle her cards and then like start again. And she'll kind of make like little small mistakes like that. Like she's trying to do this speech so perfectly and powerfully, yeah. but can't quite pull it off. Uh, and so it's a little stuff like that, that I really appreciate about her uh, in this film. I completely agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would have, I thought that the whole uh, film was going to take a huge shift once Nancy took over from mm-hmm. Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the lighting of the cigarette as if it's passing the torch. Oh, back. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, that was just beautiful. I just think, I just think like symbols like that maybe are heavy handed, but still kind of fun. <laughs> Um, but I just thought that Nancy was going to be so much more terrible than what she actually was portrayed as. Um, yeah, she was just a very cold businesswoman. Was yeah, all. but but yeah. but but like um, the fact that she at any point could have killed uh, anyone mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. came across just mm-hmm. felt like very. I like uh, Giancarlo Esposito um, with uh, who's next to her as Frank, um, mm-hmm. um, always making her coffee, but all but also stabbing uh, a knife right in the right in the back of Lucy. <laughs> so thought that was fun, but yeah, no, I just think that the, the latter half for me for some reason it just wasn't holding up or something i don't know like where where the film ends up i'm ultimately happy with but it just for what the opening was promising pretty much by the end of the chase sequence uh-huh. um i was like oh my god this is this entire film is like like incredible like every bit like i'm, I'm in i'm in i'm in and then it's i don't know there's something about uh, the rest of it that kind of that kind of hits me in a weird in a weird way that keeps it from being like five stars everyone go nuts oh you know so yeah it's interesting so i gave this the same rating as you i gave it four and a half stars um and i think that i'm kind of of two minds about the movie and i didn't really i think i understand that though <laughs> yeah it's like i i really really like the stuff with me mija i think is the way that they say it is mija um her Mija's. and and okja's relationship like that of course once they get to the slaughterhouse like i'm losing my mind and thinking like oh my god like i'm never eating meat again and all it's this a nightmare stuff. yeah you know i put like i mean it does i wrote it here i mean it does make me want to eat less meat uh, watching the movie and it's a very clear it's a it's it's almost like a link later in um what was it fast food nation or something um that he oh, did oh yeah 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 I uh, to where I, I watched that and i'm like jesus christ i'm never eating any sort of meat again in my life and then like that eventually i i get over that feeling but um at the time i'm like god damn it that's disgusting um and so here i think for me it's it's got to be, uh, it's got to be one of my least favorite people in Hollywood, which is Paul Dano. Who I just, really? I just, wow. I just can't stand him. Ben, it's just, it's Whoa. like he's like the Wes Anderson of actors for me. <laughs> to where I see Paul Dano, and I can just see every decision that's being Whoa. made on his face all the time. And so I think that that is what 
holds me back somewhat from liking some of those scenes because I put in here like, wow, we have a lot of people that are recognizable for this Netflix film, right? To where you've got, um, uh, well, some of them are not super well-known like Shirley Henderson, uh, Shirley Henderson, who's better known as uh, Moaning Myrtle who plays the assistant oh yeah i was wondering <laughs> I'm like this is somebody and I, I kept thinking it was um yeah you're right moaning myrtle um i kept thinking that shirley was actually oh who is the lady from ghostbusters we got one oh. um i thought it was her oh right uh she also played she's she's a real famous actress too um but she she's also in uh uh she she plays bo peep mm. uh in toy story film in the toy story films and stuff but anyways no, I kept thinking, is that her? I can't tell. She seems very young. Like I think the other lady's not not as young. Or, and, and I don't know. It was just something about. Yeah. yeah, it's it's her delivery is similar. Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, Dano really. Okay, yeah, Paul Dano. So we have Stephen Young from many many things, right? Stephen Young who plays K. Yeah. Uh, we also have Lily Collins, Netflix's beloved Lily Collins from uh, Emily in Paris, who is. Uh, um playing red i believe here but it's just uh annie potts is who you were thinking of annie potts yes oh my gosh um and so you just have a lot of people that are either like really well known or like pretty well known for this uh for this film and don't have a ton of things really to do and uh i was really kind of just taken by that i was like god damn like there's so many people in this for me it was it felt like it was it was like two movies in one with the Okja stuff and with the liberation stuff uh, and the, like the 12 monkeys liberation type things. And it was like, I can imagine this. I can imagine this being sold as like, it's 12 monkeys meets my neighbor Totoro because you're like, okay, because you're freeing, you're freeing the animals, but also you're like hanging out with the animals and it's all about, um, you know, live off the earth. Don't, uh, look how terrible this capitalism meat processing stuff is and these soulless people. And so I liked it when it was more, when it was at the beginning and it was more of a satire to where uh, Tilda Swinton's character was like uh, doing these speeches and it's like, well, they have to taste fucking great and all of that. I'll never forget that line. They have to taste fucking great. Right. And then once they got to like the, once I think we got to the parade, and the chases that were from the parade onward, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm losing it a little bit as to how interested I, I am in this. Because then we got like the, then we had to get like the, the attempted depth of Johnny Wilcox's character with him being like exposed as not a good guy, not as a Steve Irwin type that loves all these animals. But then I was like, yeah, but he's not like a real main person in the movie so he's, what are we he's, what are we doing he's like this the exact, for? his character wilcox is the exact uh definition of what comes to mind when you think of the word wanker <laughs> like he is such a joke by the end uh-huh. like he just doesn't matter like the fact that he's exposed in that moment at that parade no, does it, it shouldn't even register on the viewer's radar i feel like at this point it's like oh well of course we all knew what a dope he was mm-hmm. no there was a very specific thing happening at that parade that mm. um they don't spend too much time on but it was enough for me to go ah yes okay this confirms my feelings about about this film and about what where i don't know if necessarily this is what 
Bong Joon-ho, it, how he personally feels, but I definitely feel like it, like the feeling of the film rings true to me. Hmm. And it's specifically the moment that um, Okja is uh, blind with rage or has some sort of animalistic uh, response. And gets the red eyes, right? And gets the red eyes and then mm-hmm. proceeds to chomp down on uh, Mija's arm. Mm-hmm. And Paul Dano takes his cane or takes the stick or whatever and tries to almost like hit Okja. It, yes, yes. And attempts to like do it, to, to use violence. And uh, and Mija stops him mm-hmm. from it happening. And that's when, that's when, it, like, I knew the Animal Liberation Front was a little shady when Dano hurts uh, um, K. When mm-hmm. when Jay when Jay mm-hmm. hurts K, um, like with the with the computer, like hits him in the head and then beats him up and stuff like that because he got something wrong or he lied. Yeah, about he can't. He, he couldn't figure out how to turn off the sound for when Okja's being bred. But that's not why he hits him. He hits him because he because he because K lied to Mija. Oh, right, right, right. About yep. their intentions about about it, and and mm-hmm. one of the things that Jay has prided himself with the rest of the animal liberation front for over 40 years is that we don't lie. Uh, we don't, we don't present ourselves falsely. We, we do what we say. We do it nonviolently mm-hmm. unless of course uh, it uh, doesn't work in which case Jay uh, was being violent. And so to me, uh, I find it very interesting. The, the main uh, thing that the film is saying, and this goes back to that opening that I love so much. When you watch the opening to this film, it says everything you need to know. It says everything you need to know about the message of the film um, and, and how we should be as a, as a planet. It, what, what Mija and Okja are in that opening is the ideal mindset for planet Earth. Now, what, the, what um, Jay as Paul Dano and um, uh, Lucy, or they're just the Mirandos, Miranda mm-hmm. Corporation, mm-hmm. Uh, represent in terms of how we deal with animals and food and, and manufacturing and stuff like that. Those are the two opposite sides, right? It's like mm-hmm. one side fighting the other side. And I think the film, by showing us the violence with Jay, is proving that uh, both sides are wrong. Right. It can't be the yeah. Mirandos, right? It can't be them that are correct because they're just they're they're taking advantage of everything and being wasteful. And yeah, being that's awful. the very heavy-handed. That's the yes. that's the Ed Harris like everything is terrible here, right? Like we yes. all realize that everything's terrible. But it's also not Jay. It's also not we shouldn't be we shouldn't be Jay. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be starving ourselves uh, and not and leaving as little of a footprint as possible. Mm-hmm. What we should be doing is what. Uh, Mija does in the opening shot of this film it is the thesis it is when uh her and okja go to this waterfall that leads to like a little little bay or a little lagoon thing uh-huh and um she catches a fish or like oh no 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 okja jumps into the water yeah, and splashes fish out. Mm-hmm. yeah and splashes all the fish out and she grabs one fish enough for her and her um her uh i guess her uncle or is her dad is either I thought it was like a grandfather type of a because it was older than what her dad would be, but it, he uh the guy's played by uh Byung Hee Byung yeah uh yeah and he has been in just as many mm-hmm. um uh he is a mainstay as much just as much as Song has uh in in uh in 
Bong Joon-ho films. Well, and what's uh, so, funny, I'm going to interrupt you really quickly. So sure. I'm looking at the four things that he's best known as, and it's the host, Okja, Memories of Murder, and then something called God of Study. And his names are uh, in the host, Park Hee-bong. In Okja, it's Hee-bong. In Memories of Murder, it's Sergeant Ko Hee-bong. And then in God of Study, it's Cha Hee-bong. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it's something similar in every one of his performances. Wow. That he's so it makes it makes sense, right? Like yeah. so there's a there's a bit of that. Um so um take as much as you need. Mm-hmm. And then the one little tiny thing that the movie takes the like Bong Joon-ho like really focuses on. She gets the fish. It's just enough for her and her dad or uncle, I forget. Yeah. Who who it is. Person she's living with. But then she like reaches over and grabs a tiny fish that'd be grabs way the too minnow, small. Yeah, mm-hmm. grabs the minnow and throws it back. And then the mo- the movie cuts away to it splashing back into the water. It takes its time to, to show you that on purpose mm-hmm. to show you that she didn't need to do that. She could have just left that fish to just die there. But she respects nature. She respects where her food comes from. She even has it in like a in like a a, a like a a net sack. Right, she carries yeah. it in so when she is hanging out or just resting with on, on oh, it's Oja, when she's belly, yeah. mm-hmm. she is having that fish still sitting in like a puddle of water mm-hmm. for it to still like survive to be super fresh so like that like there's even like care taken with the food there's almost like a respect that happens even during the process of harvesting it from where it came from and that to me is like the exact i mean maybe that maybe that's like obvious or something like that to some people that watch it but for some reason i completely missed that the first time Hmm. and seeing that seeing that the j side of things is not right but not but and of course the mirandos aren't correct either but you're watching mija in the middle of it all just running around like it's et Mm -hmm. uh but like et like 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 well she's got the red et well and she's got the red uh hoodie oh it's so perfect yeah like elliot has yeah yeah and I trust me, I've seen ET a lot in the last year. Um, I mean, that's probably the, the film I have seen the most in the last year. Got a little um, Spielberg and, fan. And it's hard not to, yeah, it's hard not to see that. Um, but the, yeah, it, the, the film does seem very Spielbergian in, in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel that I felt that so much this time that by the time we do get to the end of the film where, um, where uh, Misha is trying to get um the miranda corporation to stop mm-hmm. like like the like okja is in the device which locks its head in in which to kill the creature mm-hmm. and she is still pleading for this thing's life she's not trying to stop the miranda corporation she's not trying to take them down or anything like that with no. nano or k she just wants her she just wants her friend back that's mm-hmm. it she does not care about all that stuff and for me, like seeing that is is very powerful, but also like there's nothing we there's there's there's, there's hardly a thing we could do to stop it. All we can do is think about how we treat our food, how we treat how we get our food, and a lot of the times, um, this film has shown me uh, very very uh, specifically in a in a very sci-fi way that I am just uh, privileged to never have to think about it. Mm-hmm. I never have to think about how to get chicken or any of the creatures that I consume. And so that's, you know, great, lucky for me, but at the same time, this makes me think, what, what can I do to, to not be so wasteful? What can I do on, on my street, on my street corner 
and not just about food, not just about like, it's about what can I do for my world? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. if, I, if, I, yeah. if I can, yeah. if I can do one thing, one thing extra, one extra step to keep my, you know, wastefulness from, from doing it. And, and also continue to respect and love the creatures that are around me. How can I do that? And that's what I think that the film's really kind of about yeah. uh, to, to the point, because you, you can sit there all day and, and talk about how bad, the Mirandos are and how, you know, whatever, but they're also showing just as much how bad Jay and, and the animal liberation front is. They're not, they're not very redeemable either. They're scrappy and they're, they're probably more underdog like, and we root for them for most of the thing because their goal is just as, as, uh, as, um, it's, it's almost the exact same as me just, but it's, it's not in some ways. So I find that very fascinating. Yeah. I think it, what's interesting about it for me is it's, this is a story that's about truths um, because you had mentioned that, you know, the Mirando company is being untruthful as about, you know, they had this whole like propaganda message about how Okja became this, one of these super pigs and all this sort of stuff that uh, Mija believes in. Right. Um, that she doesn't think that they're all just engineered that, oh no, they were born in Arizona and came here and blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. Um, And then you have the fact that her uncle, grandfather, whatever, um, he didn't tell her the truth. He didn't tell her about what was going to happen to Okja. And so that's, that's what is the inciting incident that sends her off because she was lied to. Right. And so she's got to reform this bond. And then Jay claims to be telling the truth all the time and claims to be this pacifist and this pacifist, pacifistic group. And, but yet then you see him lying by beating up um, his cohort and by attempting to beat up Okja. And then she realizes that everyone, that there's no one that's trustworthy essentially and so that the only connection that she has is to okja and so she just is that is like a little bit of like a coming of age and a little bit of like this is the only thing that hasn't lied to me yet uh this is the only thing that i can kind of trust and believe in and so i like that um and then it's like i think that you're completely right to where she's not trying to set to start a revolution she's trying to do what she can for the people that she's that she loves and that's it and that means that she's not going to be able to save all those pigs, uh, super pigs. And she is going to be able to save the one in that really heartbreaking scene where they lift up the electric fence and the two super pigs send out the little baby one and Okja carries it in its mouth. Uh, and that's like the new um, person that lives with the rest of them. And it's. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, it just, uh, that was the only part that felt emotionally manipulative to me was it, it definitely worked because I was like, I was conflicted tear- this time. I was I like tears I'm, streaming think, down my face watching it. Course, but, oh my gosh. Of course. Yeah. I don't know how you couldn't. It's very Disneyfied. Like, it you is. know, oh, the parents are, are watching their, their baby getting carried off, but at least it's safe that the father, I think, or the mother, like even puts its snout up to the electric fence and pushes it up just so the baby can crawl under without yep. getting electrocuted. My God, like it's so good. But at the same time, it's hard not to look at that as like, Oh, this is just manipulative or whatever. But when you think about it, when you think about the, the overarching thing, all of those super pigs are doomed to die. Mm-hmm. All of those, pi- all of those pigs are now going to grow 
uh, up to be chicken nuggets or I guess pork nuggets or whatever they're going to do with mm-hmm. them or whatever. Um, that's horrifying and awful. But one got out and also I, I, I don't mean to, to bring up, you know, what could possibly happen, but supposedly Okja could be possibly pregnant. Oh, right, right. And right. so if you wanted to continue the species, if you wanted to continue without like like a, a an organic, I guess, super pig, and I don't mean organic as in like we'll eat okja and the rest of you know, mm-hmm. I mean we'll we'll grow more super pigs out in the wilderness. That is now possible. Right. Because we now have another child, and then probably whatever comes of Okja's child or children or litter or something, you know, and you are now able to in some ways continue the super pig species without the quote help of the Miranda Miranda corporation. Yeah. So the thing- so I, I kind of looked at it that way in some way in a very like cut and dry, like, Oh, that's easy to think about. Like kind of thing. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting was that it was the choosing, um, choosing to have, Okja win or uh to begin with was I thought was one of the big messages was that it was like it was well like be the super pig oh be the face okay right it was to be the one right because it was like the one that's the best will be brought to New York and brought out on the parade and all that kind of stuff and so I thought it was funny that that was the one that won and it won because it was the one that was the most left alone because when they they yeah. asked, like yeah. they asked Mija what the, what it is that they do, and they're like, "Oh, well, we just let it do whatever it wants to do. Like we don't do anything with it. We just let it be." And that was like the sort of environmental sort of message that I got was it was, that like, was the, the yeah we're not we're not GMOing anything. We're just letting it be. We're just letting it do its, yeah. We're just yeah. letting it do itself. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know how much more easy telegraphed that the movie's politics on what we should do with animals. I don't know how much more clear it could be than that. Uh, and you know what? The thing is, um, I think it's the films does a great job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it rings true. Whether or not that's what we should do, whether or not that's that's something that the human race should all stop what they're doing in terms of how they're hurting uh, animals in this way and allowing living creatures to endure the nightmares of what they're showing maybe perhaps in this film. Um uh, it it certainly seems like maybe we should we should maybe adopt this. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't Eric I don't know the first goddamn thing about any of this stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but I'll tell you right now I don't. And so part of me just thinks that after watching this and seeing this, I know it's all wrapped up in a beautiful little story, and they it's a there and back again tale of them mm-hmm. going to see the dark deep. Uh, recesses of of the of the Miranda Corporation and the nightmares within, but at the same time, like it rings true to me. It makes sense. Like I half the things I know about living in a very rural area where there is a lot of farm land and farm animals and whatnot. It yeah, I can I can see why this is seen as maybe perhaps the the best route for humanity to take. Absolutely. And the and the and the film like has to kind of like hide a little bit or not really not really hide it's I think it's obvious that that's the route that should be done. Yeah, well, and it's funny that um, you know I mean in the middle of Nebraska we we have a lot of cattle 
Uh, we have a lot of fucking cattle. And if you're ever driving on I-80, I mean, that's all that you're basically seeing and smelling is diff- different feedlots. And and uh, then you get to the towns and then you have the slaughterhouses. And, and it's just, you see that the state is essentially cows and corn. And that's about it, right? And so then you watch something like this and it, it is one where it makes me think of the different documentaries that my wife and I will watch to where it's about sustainable foods and and how much we should be relying upon plants rather than just all of the machinations behind the the protein industry and and it just it does very much make me want to be like you know what I should work a little harder to not just have another cheeseburger or something you know like that's the that's the ultimate sort of takeaway that I that I get from the film and it's a thing where at one point I was going to have my kiddo watch it with me um, because I had showed her both the Snowpiercer and this trailer and she was interested in both, but then she was uh, doing some, Oh, you know what she was doing? She was playing uh, breath of the wild when I was watching, Hell yeah. uh, when I was watching Ocha and, uh, and so she was having quite a time doing that. And I said, I'm going to go downstairs and watch this. And then when I came back up and I'm, you know, trying to be dad with the uh, tears wiped away and what have you. And she's like, how was it? And I was like, it was really sad. I was like, it was really good, but it's gonna like, it's gonna be effective and it's really gonna kind of hit you. And she's like, okay. And then she sat there for a minute. She's like, well, I still want to watch it. And I'm like, perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. And you know, the thing is not, not that it needs to tie into every little thing, but what came out that same year, uh, as um in 2017 yeah 2017 came out that same year also another film that is or not another film um another game that is very comparative to miyazaki to Mm -hmm. uh these wide open spaces of this giant world that you can go in there's a respect for um uh like the use of your tools within that game uh, much in the same way that Okja, there's a, there's a certain, there's certain worldview politics, not politics as, as we know them today in like 2022 and like conservative and liberal. I'm talking like how, how, when you pick up a tool, perhaps a weapon or something like that to use uh, in the thing, even cooking in, in, in the game, there's something, there's an element in a, in a, a, a bit of that crafting. There's a, there's a thought behind, process behind it a lot of it is very deliberate um that's also alive here in okja i think i've never never once thought of those could have a connection but the fact that you bring it up along with okja and then the fact that they both came out in the same year it's hard not to not to make that divide that that thing together what yeah. a crazy thing to open your film to of like these these creatures of the woods caring for each other. Mija is totally like, I just want to hang out in the, the field all day. She doesn't seem like a super smart girl. Uh, she tries to uh, break the window of the Miranda corporation with her body, but <laughs> well, it, she it, does. She's very, she breaks it. She, she, she ends up doing it, but I'm saying she's, she's very like, like, you know, kind of action ba- first. Not, doesn't not really ba- think not backwards, through, yeah. but yeah, but like she's of the woods, she's of the jungle, but like you, you, you open up your, your film to show, how much care they have for each other um Mm -hmm. she cares for the creature and the creature cares for her because she saved her from falling off that cliff you know Mm -hmm. and and, and in like a very brainy way like it was a really good shorthand a quick way to quote save the cat on page three oh absolutely yeah (laughs) you had you have to do that 
uh, you have to establish their relationship as quick as possible by having her get saved in a, in a very Miyazaki way. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, I just, I thought that was very fascinating. Yeah. And I think and that, that the, you made that comparison. Yeah. And I think the, the only thing that wasn't for me as effective was the amount of time that we spent with uh, not Wes Anderson, Paul Dano. Uh, that That's the stuff that wasn't as effective. Like I get that it still needs to be in there, but the film at two hours, if it was like an hour 45, I felt would have been probably five stars for me, but at the two hour mark where if there's anything that we would have lost would have probably been the J stuff. Um, that's where it got a little bit saggy to me and I just didn't care as much. I can understand um, that. So Dano that's to the me, only thing that kept me from, he must that. be typecasted a lot or something. There's something about Dano. I like him a lot. I like him, especially in there will be blood. But yeah. um, I, there's something about Dano specifically that um, he in this film really works for me from a sense that he is this snaky guy mm-hmm. he kind of looks like he'd be a snaky guy um mm-hmm. he try but he tries to be overly like important he tries to pretend like this is sacred yeah that is when, a very that is a very when, there will be blood when he acts character. like no it's when he acts like it's like gospel like it's like the, the thing that yeah like he doesn't will be blood uh there will be blood and so it's just kind of fascinating uh, uh, for the film to like just suddenly drop it and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things i find compelling about D- dano in this film um he's also a great director he's at least i've only mm-hmm. seen one of his films that he's directed but really really liked wildfire yeah um, i like i like that a lot too i would love to see him more behind the yeah behind the camera. i wouldn't mind seeing him a few more from him either um but yeah no i i not seen batman i think i skipped swiss army man i forget what the reason was because Oh, by think, the Daniels, the Daniels. Yeah, and, I really and they have that uh, the that new Michelle one out. Yeah. Movie, yeah, I really want to see that one. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I should, pro- I should probably see Swiss Army Man before too long. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I'm okay with Dan Dano, but uh, but he, uh, he, he's gonna be very specifically casted, I believe. That makes sense. Yeah, it so. does. It does. So if you have any other comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. You can follow me. I'm at ericwilliams79. We uh, also have an Instagram account. Just search for plainlabelpodcast and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. Ben Teed for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? at Ben Teed on Twitter and Letterboxd. Wonderful. So thank you for listening and you can join us next week when Ben already, we discuss the final film in the Bong Joon-ho filmography, the multi-Oscar winning Parasite. <laughs>